everyone. Welcome to Writing into the Unknown. My name is Christina. And my name is Monica. And our podcast consists in really us talking about topics that we're interested in, such as mental health, self-growth, university careers. Today, we have a very exciting topic for you all. We're going to be talking about women. We're going to be sharing our experiences as women. We're going to be talking about uplifting women, feminism, and all of the things in between. So to get started, Monica, I want to discuss our views with regards to growing up as little girls and to the point where we are now, our influences in, in regards to the way that we think and how we think also that things are progressing towards you know, gender equality and feminism movements, et cetera. Yeah, so let's start. First of all, we can tell a little bit about our experiences with what we're going to talk about today from a young age. And I wanted to touch on, first of all, women competitiveness from a young age. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I feel that when we were younger, we see women as our competition and we are kind of against them in a way and we want to be like on top and I feel like we can you can probably we've experienced this for example in chess when we played we always wanted to be the best we always wanted to be the top girl we always want to be the other girls and for example the same thing in engineering we were like oh like we're gonna be in this pool of when we're gonna be in this pool filled with men and we're like unique and we're like the only women in engineering and instead of seeing women as mm, like Com companions it was more competitors yeah exactly instead of seeing them as companions and friends it was more like we're competing against them and I feel like this I don't know where this stemmed from where this competitiveness against women stem from and now I don't really feel like I actively do that as much like I don't think for example in my degree I'm not like oh I'm competing against these women but yeah I don't know where that comes from maybe we could yeah I feel that it's very ingrained in our subconscious I feel similarly to you whereby when I was younger I definitely did see it more being more pre predominant um just being you know jealous of other girls and wanting to be like other girls and I feel like that's always going to be present in our lives that comparison but recently as we are growing older I do feel that I'm more inclined to be supportive of my peers and you know celebrate other women's successes rather than be jealous and not appreciate that behind their backs etc um growing up though giving more like expanding on what you were discussing with regards to chess or um you know studying male dominated fields for example it was very much obviously you are you're going to be competitive in a in a chess competition because it is a competitive environment in itself regardless of your gender you're wanting to be the best you're wanting to beat everyone but explaining it in more detail perhaps what we mean and I think this is what you mean as well Monica is that not only were we wanting to be the best but we also were proud that we are we were the only girls there um and so instead of like one for me anyway like 
what I remember was, oh, I'm so glad I'm like the only girl here. And that was a, a prideful thing for me, you know, that I could like chat with the guys. Like I wasn't like the other girls, et cetera. Um, I'm way better than the other girls because I can do all the things that boys can do. And that is completely in a completely erroneous mindset because that's not what we should be teaching young girls now. You know, we should be encouraging. That's why Monica, you and I are so passionate about promoting STEM and everything like that. Just instead of showing that only special girls who are like similar to boys can achieve these things, showing and explaining that any girl can achieve you know, equality or can, can do all of these things that are more male dominated. Yeah, exactly. I think you touched on that really, really well. And I'm glad that now we are advocates for STEM and I've even started my own group for women to like uplift each other. And I think we just need a lot more of that because we do experience it in the media. There's so much comparison and there's so much of bringing other girls down and criticizing and all of this and it's just not something that we should be carry on carrying on as a culture and I feel like there's a lot of pressure but yeah I think that we need to be more supportive or women and honestly we can do this together so yeah I also wanted to touch on so you mentioned equality and I wanted to touch on the difference between equality and equity and also the difference between equality and fairness. So if we look at equality, it kind of means everyone gets the same treatment and everyone is treated exactly the same and has the exact, the exact same starting point. But I feel like equality doesn't work and you need fairness and equity in order to get there. For example, women don't have the exact same opportunities as men do in, in some areas, in many areas, and you can't just give them the same equality. With equality, it basically means that everyone is given the same thing. So it only works if everyone starts from the same point, which is what I was saying. For example, if you have three different people, one person who is in a wheelchair and can't see the football match because the, let's say there's a wall and one person is really tall and they can see the football match fine and then one person's on a wheelchair and because they're sat down they can't see it and then say another a, a kid is can't see it because they're they're smaller than the wall or something if you give them the same equal um, opportunities let's say you give them like a chair to stand on or something stay for example the wheelchair user maybe they can't get off their wheelchair and the chair will you know they're given the same equality in that situation let's say you give the chair to the child but they still can't see the football match you give the chair to the adult who's really tall they can see it fine so you need to be fair and accommodate to the needs of the people that are watching the football match rather than giving them the same treatment so that also comes down to that also relates to what I was talking about with women and you know we are disadvantaged in some areas therefore we need to fight for um for equity and fairness and um to then fight for like equality and have that equal treatment if that makes sense yeah I totally agree with that statement that explanation I think that it's so important to recognize I mean most of us know this that the, in so many sectors our major majority 
are majorly male dominated, there is that stigma where not as many women are getting to be a part of it. And especially you might find this, Monica, when you go work on site, for example, in many like construction engineering sites where it's predominantly like older men are there and they've never really worked directly with a woman. And so they may not feel as inclined to um, work with you or maybe it's more difficult to earn their respect. It could, it could genuinely vary for so many different things. This is just an example. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's important to, you know, understand that this is a thing again with uh, gender pay gaps and things like that. It's very important to show fairness rather than give everyone the same opportunities because um, a thing that I wanted to talk about and that it ties in with our next sort of topic here is the issue regarding, you know, um, women's rights throughout history and how like a hundred years ago, women, I mean, I can't remember exactly, but like couldn't vote and didn't have uh, the same rights. For example, in, in Spain, um, this ties in well with uh, cable girls, essentially, yeah, women in Spain could not vote in the early 20s. And so you have to take into account all of these things that we have been disadvantaged with for so, so long. And just, you know, readjust um, the the screws in, in the machine. I don't know if that analogy really works, <laughs> but um, I hope you know what I mean. Yeah, I wanted to expand on Cable Girls just a, bit, a little bit later, but with what you said, for example, with a with a gender, there's a lot of, there's a big gender pay gap at the moment. Like some women earn less than their male counterparts, which is still, is still shocking, um, even in 2021. But mm-hmm. I think that comes in again with fairness, you know, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, you should be earning according to your job role and you know if you have a job that should be earning more than someone like whether you're a male or a woman you should be earning like the pay that is if you know what I mean that like reflects your ability your role description and how yeah your role description and how much you do whether you're a male or a woman and -hmm. if you have the exact same role then I guess you should be paid the same but it, do you know what I mean? Like, I should reflect what your job role is, is what I wanted to say. And I also wanted to talk- One, one last thing uh, with regards to that. A useful tip, I haven't actually put it into practice yet, just because I am in a graduate um, role at the moment. I just started and everybody like starting salary is the same. But as you progress in your career, something that I've heard from many um, people is that it's very, very important to ask your colleagues what they earn. Like don't, maybe people feel uncomfortable saying directly how much you earn, but just to give um, your, if you're a man or yeah, if you're anyone else, like if um, a woman asks you how much you earn, at least give like a um, salary bracket, just saying like, I earn from this to this. And it gives them an idea, like, am I being severely underpaid? Because people, there's a stigma where people don't talk about it enough. And then this is why it's it sometimes does happen that women are paid less than men for doing the same job. Because, you know, 
companies or employers can get away with it because it's not talked about enough. So that's just yeah. something that I wanted to mention. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think it's important to be honest and transparent. And of course, you don't have to say exactly how much you earn. But I think what you said about maybe giving a bracket and being open to your colleagues and being transparent is really important because we know that like so many people are underpaid for the jobs that they do. So it's really, really important. And something that I wanted to talk about as well is, um, yeah, so with regards to fairness and equality, that also comes, for example, I was reading a, a book that's called Fair Play. And basically it also comes into, so we were talking about equality and fairness within the workspace, for example, but it also comes in very, very handy or it's very important as well in relationships. So for example, if you are in a partnership with someone or in a marriage, we sometimes mistake inequality with fairness and we think that, you know, everything should be 50-50 and the guy should be doing the exact same tasks as the women and they should be split 50-50. But in my opinion, I think they should be split fairly. So say if the woman likes to cook, she can cook 100% of the time if that's what she likes to do. If the man likes to cook 100% of the time, he can cook 100% of the time. It doesn't have to be the guy cooks 50-50. However, if in that relationship, that, that's how they like to do it, 50-50, that's fine. Or if say the guy's strength is to, let's say the, the girl is the business, not the business, the breadwinner, and she's, you know, providing the family and the guy is at home with the kids or vice versa. Like they don't have to do 50-50 of, of the tasks at home or like 50-50 of every single thing, as long as it's fair and as long as it works for both parties and they kind of um, work, work around that, I think fairness is is more important if you know what I mean in my opinion I agree with you and I think it's important to play to each other's strengths if you say someone imagine someone is really good at fixing the plumbing in your house and you're in your I mean so maybe neither of you are in a relationship but if one is really good at doing certain like you said cooking then it's okay for them to do all the cooking as long as I think the key here is to have a mutual understanding and just don't assume oh she loves doing the cooking um she'll just be cooking all the time just have that conversation say yeah I really like cooking I don't mind doing like cooking all the meals as long as the counterpart contributes in their own way and there's that mutual understanding I think that that is the the best way to to coexist and and to be happy together yeah exactly I think it's about understanding and communicating what your strengths are and working to your strengths, as you said, because there's no point on splitting tasks 50-50 on everything when someone might not like that and then the other person loves something and they want to do more of it. So yeah, just whatever. Or if something, let's say two people don't like something, then maybe they could split it 50-50, 60-40, whatever works for them. So yeah, I think that was worth noting as well. For sure. But, I wanted to talk, so you were, you kind of briefly mentioned Cable Girls and I think Cable Girls is such a good show. I'm not going to lie. It's definitely one of my favorites. Really, really enjoyed it. I was telling all of my friends about it. Like I was saying to everyone, go watch it, go watch it. It's mm -hmm. five seasons and definitely recommend one of my favorite shows on Netflix. And I think I'm so grateful for you recommending it because at first I was very kind of uh, like skeptical. It, 
I didn't really know if it was my kind of show because it was like a soap opera and very dramatic, etc. But I got hooked and I think it dips a little bit. I, I don't want to give out spoilers, but in one of the seasons in the middle, I, I was like, oh, should I keep watching? But then one of my friends who also watched it was like, you should definitely watch it till the end. And I'm so glad I did. And I finally finished. I think it was like a couple of weeks ago that I finished watching the whole show. So obviously there's not going to be any spoilers, but we're going to be discussing a bit of how the show relates to feminism and what we think are the main takeaways. Yes, yeah, so the show is basically set in 1920s Madrid, Spain. And as Chris was saying earlier, that's kind of the time around about the time where women were starting to have more conversations about um, and protesting for the right to vote. So I think there's a really good, um, the, the, the show really portrays that. And there's a lot of that going on. And also the, the suffra- suffragistas, I'm not sure. Suffragettes. Suffragettes, is that how you say it in English? Okay, so, so suffragettes. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I really like the centering around the four main protagonists in the show. I think there's a lot of, as we were saying, like bringing each other up and collaborative. And you can, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do any spoilers, but you can see them like helping each other in all of their um, difficult times. And you can see that they've got each other's backs and there's just that community spirit. And it's just so nice because they're not like, stabbing each other's backs kind of thing so you see that around the show and I don't want to spoil as I said but just all across the whole entire show you see that right up right up until the end and it's just such a nice show for sure everyone should watch it highly recommend um yeah it even tells you about well not um yeah so even in like later seasons as well we see some of like the the Spanish Civil War going on as well and yeah there's it's quite a it's a, it's a really good show what were your thoughts about it Chris? I I really liked it um especially actually so it takes place it starts off in 1920 what year exactly is it Monica do you know 28 20 I can't I remember think so I think, um, and then it obviously the Spanish Civil War um, is around like 1936. The end of the show is maybe around 1939. So it's kind of that um, era, like those those years there. And I particularly liked how everything played out during the the Spanish Civil War. But in the earlier seasons, it was as you say, Monica, the companionship b- between the women, the main characters in the in the film, and just some of the characters as well, the support that they got from their male counterparts as well. I thought that was really beautifully done. How, you know, obviously not everyone, it, it's, it's trying to be realistic. And, and unfortunately back then, women's rights weren't as defended as, as they are today and as respected. And yeah, it's, it's this whole, um, obviously it's very dramatic as well. There's lots going on. And, but, but the main beauty of it, I think is, is just that friendship and as you said uplifting each other and and really defending each other no matter what so yeah yeah really really good show recommended and I think also it so it's set in 1920s but it also obviously has like a twist because a lot of like you know um like a lot of the music is not from back then and maybe some of the outfits I mean it is trying to um kind of capture that um 
era of time that essence of time but some of like the music and some stuff eh, is not a reflection of what it was like back then and some things are perhaps exaggerated or whatever and (laughs) dramatized but I think it does accurate like accurately accurately show and portray like for example some of the abuse and we, there's a there's a part where uh, a woman wants to quit her job but she feels controlled by her husband and just a lot of like feeling like controlled and all that kind of stuff as well um yeah because and, they didn't have those rights back then and and divorce wasn't you know you couldn't divorce your husband um which is like crazy you know to think about yeah that, um, that wasn't a, a choice before and also I really like that there is that introduction of LGBT rights and there's a lot of that in the show as well. So yeah, there's there's a lot of great stuff in there, which highly recommend. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. A thing that I just realized is what you just mentioned about the music. You just kind of forget about it as seasons go on, but th- that struck me the most in the first episode where you hear very modern music when people go to their equivalent of a club, you know, um or like they go to a bar or something and you would hear like current music and you'd be like this doesn't match at all but I think so that's what the the show runners were trying to portray which is really that link and that closeness that we currently have to those times you know and as you said I really liked the um there's a story about uh uh transgender um character and then there's also a story about uh, domestic abuse there's also what Monica said about um not being able to to file for divorce in those times and the only re- the only way for you to be able to to do that was if your if your spouse died or if yeah I think that was the only the only valid reason was I it I think so yeah so that's that's atrocious and yeah really good show there's there's I, I kind of wanted to talk about as well as um about all of the current shows right now especially like Netflix that I've been watching I've been I watched last year I watched Glow I don't know if you've heard of it Monica I've not watched Glow what is it about so Glow is set in the 80s I believe 80s must be and it's basically this actress who can land uh, an acting role and so she's a bit desperate and ends up uh, meeting up meeting these group of women who are auditioning for a wrestling sort of tv show right like women of wrestling I think glow stands for gorgeous ladies of wrestling that's what it stands for and it's inspired from this 80s uh like a real life 80s tv show and so it's basically a lot to do with their companionship their um relationships between these women and their struggles as well i love how they are very open about talking about issues that current the women faced you know you can talk about periods you can talk about um giving birth and you know a working life and harassment and many different topics um and i feel like we are increasingly seeing these type of shows coming up in in the media and I, th- I think it's something very positive uh, as we see as well in in Disney movies we see that like it's not any it's not about finding your ch- prince charming anymore these it, films are evolving and I think that's just beautiful do you have a favorite Disney movie Monica? Um, good question Chris I actually watched Mulan 
not too long ago actually and I really 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 enjoyed it I loved it I think it was it was great I really really enjoyed it um I really I'm really excited for Raya and the Last Dragon I really want to watch it it's coming out on June the 4th so literally like in three days so I'm really excited to watch that but yeah I think that nowadays um in terms of like for example the Disney movies there's a lot more movies that are for example like the new movie Raya and the Last Dragon the main protagonist I think is Southeast Asian and then we had like Milan and Pocahontas because back then it was like Belle, Cinderella and and Snow White and they were all white princesses so it's nice to see a variety and even what's the what's her name the Scottish one Br uh, Brave is that her name I mean, no, <laughs> but I know that's the film of the movie. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember her name on it. I'm not sure, but anyway. Mer Mer it starts with Meredith or something. Yeah, Meredith, Meredith, I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Moana and, oh, there's also like Rapunzel. There's a lot, but yeah, I think that it's nice that they're creating, that they're making these movies because as a young girl you always want to like identify with some with like a princess oh I remembered as well Aladdin and Jasmine I think that was probably Jasmine was probably the one that I identified with when I was younger I think yeah or maybe like Pocahontas that's people would say oh you look like Pocahontas same with me everyone would say the same thing yeah, yeah. but I think it's nice that now there's an increasing like there's more princesses that look like us <laughs> so yeah I think there's definitely more more work that needs to be done um to make it more to make Disney more what's the word like cater to diverse and diverse yes so but I think they're probably going in the right direction for moment. sure and I think from obviously as you mentioned you know Snow White and um what is it called? <laughs> Sleeping Beauty and all of these older, or even like Ariel, those are very much just focused on the love aspect mm -hmm. of the print. Like that is their whole life, basically. Whereas now um, we have Disney movies like, I mean, I don't really watch a lot of Disney movies. I remember watching Moana with, with our little sister and I really, really liked it. But um, I wouldn't like go for animated films, but I think that now I would be more inclined to watch them just because there is a deeper message to them and it's sort of deviated from what it was back in the day, what we used to watch mm. when we were children. Um, although when we were children, maybe a bit after that, because when we were children, we still had Pocahontas, we still had Mulan. Those are very like powerful women. Like it doesn't get more powerful than Mulan. You've got this warrior who can do this, like fight just like the men around her or even mm. better. Um, we've got Pocahontas who, you know, decides to follow her own path and she doesn't settle for like the romantic um, love story that like other princesses have done in the past. And we have Frozen as well, it, mm. who genuinely she doesn't feel like she needs to conform to everybody's standards like she does her own thing. And that's really beautiful. And um, as we said, in Brave, like there was no love interest, which I really love. Like she's just doing her own thing. She's just braving it out like that. And yeah, those are messages that I would definitely want to be sending to young girls. And I think that these these movies are definitely, definitely going in the right direction. 
Yeah. For sure. And with um we've we've talked about the sort of Disney movies and I feel that as young girls we really get influenced by this we, we get like the dolls and I mean I didn't personally play that much with dolls I think Monica you were more um like that it was Barbies but, um, back then Barbies yeah any brats I don't know if you <laughs> people remember um those times but, but um oh and that note there was no Barbie that looked like me they were all white exactly all blonde, blonde. <laughs> every single one now that yeah. I think about it yeah that's so true I think there's been and, some improvements in that as well yeah which is that's why I wanted to talk about like beauty standards when we're growing up we only see white dolls and we feel like oh that's the ideal beauty and we look ourselves in the mirror and we're like wow we look nothing like them does that mean we're not beautiful and that's really a sad message to send to girls that's definitely not what what has to be communicated um in the media through you know toys and and things like that so it's it's nice to see that now dolls are becoming more diverse and yeah I I want to sort of talk about the the different beauty standards that prevail in different parts of the world because obviously in the western media it's a completely different type of ideal that people like want to work towards or want to achieve as opposed to, let's say, in in East Asian countries, for example. You know what I mean, Monica? Yeah, I wanted to talk about, for example, South Korea. If we look at South Korea, it is the biggest, not well, the nation with the most plastic surgery, I think, I believe. And we see it on the media all the time. People get like double eyelid surgery or like nose surgery is quite common as well, like lip or even like Botox, jaw, mm-hmm. jaw filler and so on Joel yeah so yeah we see that and obviously I think it all comes down like beauty standards are so different in different countries so as you said like in the west in the east in in South Korea like beauty standards are not all the same in every part of the world and I think that all comes down to for example if we look at South Korea um one of the reasons as to why their beauty standards are that way comes from history and so they were colonialized by the Japanese so it says here that um in less in less than a century South Korea has experienced Japanese colonialism from 1910 to 1945 and U.S. military occupation following the second world war so as the country underwent rapid modernization and industrialization it took it um, it looked towards Western values. So it comes down to, so South Korea was actually n- not a very developed nation back then, I believe. And it's grown so, so much. They have done so much in under a hundred years. They've progressed hugely and massively. And a lot of the people, if, if you probably walk around South Korea, dress really well. And I think this comes from the the image to appear beautiful on the outside and show that like you can achieve anything as well and that you know what I mean like that image of um you can achieve anything and yeah I wanted to talk so sorry I'm (laughs) deviating from what we're talking about but so the beauty standards I think we need to kind of understand the history as well and what they've gone through and also like the media and 
if we look for example at Korean beauty we think of porcelain skin glass skin you're you want whiter skin and all that kind of stuff so I think that comes from what we're saying looking towards like western ideals and um, which can be very detrimental for girls who don't ha don't get plastic surgery or girls who don't conform to these beauty standards do you know what I mean or don't fit in rather um in these beauty standards and I feel like that can have such a huge pressure on people's um, self-esteem as well and it is there's a, I think there was a word for it I can't remember now but it is really on it is a whole culture on what people think about you and and pleasing like other people which here we're very like oh I have my own identity and forming your own identity and your own self-esteem whereas that's kind of based on pleasing others and I read something and it said that um back then so someone said it is not possible to farm rice a seasonal and labor intensive intensive type of harvest without help from others he says so south koreans have had to depend heavily on others wheat farming however and um, wheat farming however which is prevalent in the west is something that can be done alone the development of trade and commerce in the west has encouraged individualistic tendencies as competitiveness is based on distinction from others so yeah I think um that's kind of what I wanted to talk about yeah no I I agree with that and thank you for sharing that knowledge from South Korea because I feel that it can happen in so many other countries like for instance in India we have the caste system that essentially says you know if you are too dark-skinned you're not as good as light lighter skinned people which is just horrendous and in many Southeast Asian countries, for instance, when you go to their supermarkets, they're filled with whitening creams of all sorts, and that is really damaging to your skin. But because it's really portrayed in their media that the whiter, the, the fairer your skin, the more beautiful, that really sends this negative message to young girls there that they need to constantly uh, like bleach the skin by using all these products and avoid um, direct sun exposure at all costs because you know it's um, tied back to if you're exposed to the sun for a longer periods of time you obviously tan and that is associated to people who used to work in agriculture and being outside all the time and that's seen as being of a lower class than someone who is indoors and protected from the sun who might be working in an office maybe working in a higher paying job and, and being you know more wealthy etc and it's so interesting how in places like i just mentioned in southeast asia for example this is the what people people want to attain you know that is the goal and in places like over here in in europe or the united states etc where it's a bit of the opposite we we really want to make sure that we have a tan you know that there's these things that are always uh, being sold oh a sun tanning um, beds. what is it called like uh, tanning beds is, is that what you call tanning beds, tanning beds I mean like you know when you put like uh stuff on your I should know this but you would put like stuff on your body so that it's it self -tanning. becomes darker yeah self-tanning self is that it yeah, self-tanning yes 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 yeah self-tanning lotion and that kind of thing because people you know feel that perhaps they're not um dark enough to to go to the beach or yeah all of these things that I 
I think are just so powerful in the media that make us makes us feel as if our skin is not the right shade. It's just more, I feel the, the reason why I'm kind of bringing this up and the reason we're kind of talking about beauty standards is because it's way more common for young girls and women to be exposed to this and be subject to wanting to, uh, you know, spend money on these products. I mean, I, I haven't met any guy friends who are like, oh yeah, I'm going to put um, like fake, t- like fake tan on. Um, that was the word I was looking for. Just fake Yeah. Tan. I think young girls are way more susceptible and given to this pressure. There is so much marketing and we were talking about the pressure from the media and there was so much pressure on Instagram. We, the cookies are coming at us, like we're browsing and then you get like an ad of self-tanning or something. Like there was a lot of pressure for young women, especially. And yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Like even like with, for example, like body hair, facial hair and all that kind of stuff. We feel like we need to shave our mustache and we need to shave our legs and shave our armpits. And honestly, like have hairy ampers if you want to do you know what I mean literally it's so annoying especially coming from us because we are very hairy human beings Monica (laughs) you know like um it's it's just a a hassle and sometimes yeah we do we do wish like oh this wasn't such a thing but we still do it because it's like a social we feel the social pressure like I mean to be honest like sometimes yeah I I wouldn't wash I wouldn't shave my legs and then (laughs) and then like like who cares right but so I'm I'm trying to sort of do that more often but there's still that voice in your head that says oh you're not attractive enough if you don't shave you're not attractive enough if you don't uh do your makeup right etc and yes with regards to makeup as well like there's such huge like billion dollar market surrounding makeup that's telling women to you know you're you're going to look more beautiful by wearing this and on the flip side, yes, women like to wear makeup because it makes them feel beautiful, makes them feel empowered. And that's totally great. I feel like it's a way of expressing yourself. I think that's beautiful and incredible. But there's also, there has to be a, sort of a balance, you know, like I don't think it's positive to force it down our throats by constantly, like you said, Monica, if you're if you're constantly through, looking through Instagram, you're seeing all these ads that are coming at you, wanting you to consume and consume and consume and get all this makeup, get all these products, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just too much. And it can feel like a lot of pressure, especially for young girls who are still coming to terms with who they are and who they want to be. And yeah, it's, it's also expensive. Like imagine you're a young, like high school student and you just have a part-time job and you're spending all of your money in in makeup like there's nothing wrong with that but I just mean there has to be sort of that uh education into you know uh consumerism and stuff but I think that's another a different topic yeah no but I think that's a good point because a lot of people will buy tons of makeup tons of clothes tons of things just to impress others and then we'll have like literally a piece of toast like this for lunch so that they can save their money for like a new plt dress or something do you know what I mean yeah. So I think that's the, that, for example. Yeah, sorry. There, I think you made the distinction here. It's the thing that I'm more concerned about is the wanting to impress others rather than if you're doing it for yourself and it's your hobby to do makeup and you love the way it looks on you, like 
fair play. I love that. I respect that. But if it's solely for the purpose of you wanting to impress others to show that, you know, oh, you're, you're actually beautiful um, because you wear all this makeup, then that's maybe not doing it for the right purposes. And I feel that very often we want to appeal to like this male gaze because this is what we've been taught. Um, you know, if we look a certain way, male, uh, like men will desire us, will be more likely to get in a relationship or those kind of things. Like that, yeah, that we've been taught things like subconsciously, we think like, oh, I want to feel wanted. Therefore I will look a certain way because this is what men will would want instead of thinking, no, this is what I want. I'm going to be doing what I think is best for me. Yeah, definitely. I think we, I wanted to expand also on the whole male gaze and we are brought up when we're younger, like, oh, we're that, like the guys are going to like you, we're this, do you know what I mean? And like nowadays, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think like in different parts of the world, for example, like in different places, it's like, oh, you need to cover up in other places, like, oh, the more, the more skin you show, the more attractive you'll be, the more um male gaze you will attract so yeah what are your thoughts for example with our society I feel like now if you look at sort of history before modesty was a bigger thing and now there are you know crop tops and basically like bandeau tops and like really really short short things and if you look at the videos um what do you call like music videos on YouTube you know like girls like Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, like there's a lot of like bumps showing and like showing and from one side you could say yes woman empowerment and you know show your skin and you shouldn't be afraid and um, I'm doing this for me and like woman empowerment but on the other flip side is it like are you doing this to attract the male gaze? What What is the intention behind for example like loads of skin showing do you think? Yeah I feel that it is true, sadly, that in, in our current world, a lot of these videos are super popular and they know it, that it's a formula that it works because it appeals, as we said, to the male gaze. And so by twerking and like wearing very revealing clothes, you're more likely to get all of these views. Um, I wish it weren't that the case for me. I feel empowered if I am wearing a turtleneck and if I am wearing a crop top. I think female empowerment comes from like your attitude and not it comes what from you're within. wearing. Yeah, it comes yeah from I think it comes from within. And I think that whatever you're wearing is your business, no one else's. And obviously we we are in we live in a society and I'm not advocating for everyone to like run like straight strip naked down the street but if you want to wear a crop top if you want to wear short shorts if you want to wear uh like whole body like suit covering all of your body that's totally fine it's it's your choice and I don't know like why there has to be I mean obviously I do know but there shouldn't be that much uh debate about it you know what I mean yeah I agree I think that women empowerment shouldn't come from oh the shorter your top is the more empowering you feel and you feel stronger because like blah 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 I think no matter what you wear whether you're covering your whole body or whether you're wearing like a bikini you should feel empowered no matter what and 
I also had a question for you. Do you think that, you know, for example, like male gaze and I feel like it happens more when women are showing their skin. Like if someone is covered, the men don't, don't usually look at them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the guys don't usually look at women that are all covered. Whereas if a girl's wearing booty shorts and a bandeau top, they're more likely to get more stares as well. So what are your yeah. thoughts on, you know, maybe some girls who are wearing a bandeau top and short shorts, yeah. they might complain so, because they're getting loads of stares. Because the right thing would be like, guys, lower your gaze. You know, you shouldn't be like gawking at women who are wearing short shorts but at the same time I feel like women are aware that they will be attracting the male gaze so what are your thoughts on that I I think it's half and half like some women yes might be wanting to get attention from men other women are just wanting to wear a short crop top because it's a summer day and they're hot and why would you wear a big jumper in summer it makes no sense another thing is very important to me anyway I think it's essential to educate children from a young age to respect women, like as simple as that may sound. I'm not, obviously there's men who are very respectful, a lot of them, and you know, they wouldn't catcall women in the street. They wouldn't stare at someone wearing shorts, like booty shirts, but there is men who would do the opposite and that's not okay, but it, it happens. Yeah. Huh? Sorry. That's problematic. Exactly. And that is not the woman's fault. And I think that this genuinely, that's why by educating like young boys from an early age or young boys and young girls that this is not okay will eventually make us like better citizens. I think that it also comes with what we were saying about the suffragettes and women having more rights. It serve is liberating for women to be able to wear or feel like they can wear more revealing clothing. Again, I don't um, directly associate wearing revealing clothing with, you know, being empowered. I think re- wearing conservative uh, clothing and clothing that covers your whole body yeah, is as clothing. empowering as wearing yeah. something short. But I think it goes back to giving the woman that choice. If you want to wear this, you wear it. If you want to wear that, you also wear it. And I think that it doesn't have to come at the price of men staring, men harassing you in the street and all of the negativity associated with you wearing whatever you want. Um, But then again, as you said, yes, it, it, it does pose a question, right? Like, do women obviously, if you want to go to a club, like, a lot of women would wear more revealing clothing because also, I mean, there's two sides to this. Like you want to feel sexy. You want to feel good about yourself um, wearing something nice, but also <laughs> you might want to like grab the guy's Usually attention. to a club, girls don't wear a turtleneck <laughs> and yeah, trousers. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah but um so yeah this is this is an interesting debate (laughs) this is like an open debate I think honestly I'm with you I think that women should be able to wear whatever they want literally like if they're happy if they feel confident and if they feel empowered with what they're wearing no one should be catcalling them no one should be telling them oh cover up or oh you show more skin like 
wear whatever you want wear whatever you feel most comfortable in and don't let anyone tell you otherwise but it's just kind of we were having a conversation about where these things come come from and like the change in in fashion you know throughout the years and where's fashion gonna kind of take us to and I was just thinking there for example like ripped jeans and like showing skin there like it's just different trends and you know um it's it's quite interesting so yeah I'm really happy I'm glad we we had that conversation yeah another thing as well is the topic revolving I mean I'm a really big advocate for solo travel so I thought to like slip it in right there just for a wee um wee bit just basically on the topic that whenever you say to someone hey I'm gonna go solo traveling as a woman it's more frowned upon or it's taken as a surprise as opposed to a guy just saying hey I'm just gonna go get my backpack and fly to I don't know Brazil you know for for a month and obviously it makes sense because women are more vulnerable like that is just a fact well women are more vulnerable while traveling than men and it's just a sad fact but again I think I mean I we've talked about this in the podcast before where women still should be able to travel freely and discover the world regardless of their gender and so it it's annoying like it's just really frustrating how we we have to take extra precautions additional precautions as opposed to our male counterparts when we go out in the world and same goes with us like walking around alone at night in even if it's like our own own neighborhood we have to be more alert think oh maybe I should take a taxi this time Uh, it's getting really late and you have to sort of think about those things they're always at the back of your mind you always have to be tensed up what if someone comes out and surprises me in the middle of the night whereas a lot of men don't have to worry about this and it's just massively unfair and and things have to change yeah yeah definitely because all the time like if I'm walking alone at night in the dark I'm like oh I need to go somewhere where there's a lot of light or I'm gonna get an uber home or something you know what I mean last thing I kind of wanted to discuss was femininity and the attributes that we sometimes associate with females and males like we sometimes think that a characteristic such as sensitivity or warmth or I don't know like uh, liveliness are more associated with women and then we might think oh dominance and emotional stability or like vigilance are more associated to a guy and I sort of wanted to get your opinion Monica on whether you think this is inherently true like it is definitely there's attributes are definitely female attributes are definitely male what's your 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 viewpoint okay so I think that maybe like biologically we are biologically we are made different and there may be female attributes and male attributes in terms of for example like yin and yang but I don't think that like the male attributes necessarily are like 100% male. And like, for example, a male will not have 100% male attributes and a female will not have 100% female attributes. 
there could be a female with like 70% male attributes and 30% female attributes. There could be a male with like 60% female and 40% male attributes, or they could be 70% male attributes and 30% female. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily equate to what gender you are. And for example, like if you're gender neutral, like you will have again, different percentages or different female and male attributes. So I see it more as like a yin and yang type of thing. Um, We're calling them male attributes and female attributes, but we could call them anything else. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think you don't necessarily have to be like a man or a woman to have those attributes. Like obviously biologically women reproduce. So there'll be more like maybe the female attribute would be like nurturing and maybe like more caring and more what other words like yeah more caring more nurturing like motherly so but that doesn't mean that a man cannot be caring and nurturing they might be more caring or more nurturing than a woman because they have a bigger percentage of female attributes so I think it just completely depends on on the person or your biology all that kind of stuff yeah I totally agree with you in that I think that biologically yes women are built a certain way and men are built a different way but then it really depends on the person it's not going to be a hundred percent you're like this and a hundred percent you're like that because I mean we're both women here and you're I mean we're very similar but there's maybe um attributes that I have that are perhaps more like with inverted commas you know more male um and you may have other ones that are also more male other ones are more female but these words don't signify anything it's just that from some data that some scientists may have it's found that the majority of uh, women in in the study have shown to have more you know caring um traits than the the male um sort of people who were in the study and it's it's seen in in society as well um we see it's, it's just yeah I, i'm going in in circles but it's basically saying that just because you are a man um doesn't mean that you cannot be sort of attentive and yeah and loving yeah for example <laughs> like two people could be in a relationship and one could be more male dominant. So the female could be more male dominant and the male could be more female dominant, but it just means that to the relationship, they contribute different attributes to the relationship. And it's not necessarily, oh, the male should be like this and therefore the women should be like this. Like they could be a female that's more male dominated and a male that's more female dominated. And because they're contributing these attributes to the relationship, it works out. So, yeah, exactly. And it's, for example, in gay couples, there doesn't have to be one, if it's like two women or two men or whatever, it doesn't have to be that both have to show the same percentage of, mm-hmm. of traits, even if they're the same sex. I think we're kind of saying the same thing over and over. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> I think we, exactly we did get... Thing. No matter the, what gender you are, it does not matter. You will have different um, quantities of some female traits and some male traits so yeah yeah well I really enjoyed having this discussion I feel that because Moni and I are quite unconflictive and very we try to be very diplomatic 
it's perhaps been a harder episode to record than other ones because at most we just talk about personal experience we just talk about our lives and there's not that much room for us like feeling like we've offended somebody but here it's like I feel anyway that I'm like oh did I say this properly is this offensive to anyone I hope we didn't offend anybody yeah I feel the exact same when I was talking I was like I hope I'm not offending anyone but I think this is part of you know the podcast part of growing and you know we might have metido la pata which in English is translated to messed up messed up somewhere or like made a mistake and offended someone and and we're human like and there's also way more research we could have done uh, within these topics. There is a lot more research and maybe we got some of our history wrong or some of our facts wrong, but we're just having a conversation and just sharing our opinions, our learnings, our research, and just having a, a good old conversation. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Goodbye. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye.